What's going on, everyone, and welcome into an emergency edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It's Tuesday afternoon, August 2nd, about 12.30 p.m. Central Time as I'm recording this, and we know that big news has dropped already today on Tuesday. Cardinals are not getting Juan Soto, folks, and that is a bitter disappointment. We'll talk about the disappointment of that, the reasoning that it didn't work out between the Cardinals and the Nationals to get a Soto deal across the finish line. We'll talk about comparing what the Cardinals perhaps could have offered, evidently did not offer, if you ask my opinion. It's pretty clear that they didn't compared to what the Padres ultimately gave to land Juan Soto. We're going emergency style on today's B-Shape Daily because we talked late last night, said it would be the final time before the deadline that we had a chance to talk Juan Soto. I lied because, as it turns out, the Soto deal happened so early in the day on Tuesday that I do have some time to really quickly come on here and explain my thoughts. want to remind you, before we get into the content of the show, which is going to be entirely Soto-based today, if you missed last night's episode, honestly, the first 45 minutes or so are not really about Juan Soto, and so you can get good insight from the last B-Shape Daily on your podcast feed. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to subscribe to B-Shape Daily. You can hear about my thoughts on the Josh Hader trade between the Padres and the Brewers. You can hear my thoughts about the trade the Cardinals made on Monday night for Jose Quintana and right-handed pitcher Chris Stratton. That's all on the previous episode of B-Shape Daily, but today we're going to get into the immediate aftermath of the Juan Soto deal for the Padres and where the Cardinals go from here. I just tweeted about nine minutes ago asking Cardinals fans with Soto out of the picture, who do you want before 5 p.m. for the Cardinals to pursue? 146 replies so far. The people are up and Adam so far the top replies Jack Daniels and alcohol that's entirely fair but I'll scroll through toward the end of this podcast episode to see some of those responses and give my thoughts on some of the more valid and relevant ones which is not to say that Jack Daniels is not relevant but I don't know that that's going to actually help the Cardinals reach the postseason in 2022 which should be the goal that should still be the goal for this team at, at a minimum to get to the playoffs and right now hate to break it to everybody but as we've lost ourselves a bit in the situation surrounding Juan Soto and whether or not the Cardinals would get him, uh, we've noticed or maybe failed to notice that the Cardinals have slipped in the wild card standings. They're now a game behind the Phillies for the final wild card spot, which I mentioned on last night's B-Shape Daily as well. Quick reminder, if you would like to support the show, which you are under no obligation to do, but it's appreciated, so I'm going to bring it up just briefly in each episode now. You go to at bshafer12 on Twitter, click on the money tab next to the follow button, and it'll link you to Venmo or Cash App. Rather than go through the trouble of trying to charge a couple bucks a month for people to listen to the show, I'll let people throw some donations out to support the show if they want. But regardless, B-Shape Daily rolls on. So appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Let's dive into the aftermath. Juan Soto is a San Diego Padre, or at least he's going to be. The report out from various sources, various media outlets on Tuesday morning regarding the package heading to San Diego from Washington. It's Juan Soto and Josh Bell, which the Cardinals, I don't think, had a spot for Josh Bell necessarily with Goldschmidt as their first baseman, with Albert Pujols as their DH type, and you've got Nolan Gorman as well that's going to do some DHing, especially now that Paul DeYoung is back. So I don't know the Cardinals were interested in Bell necessarily, but you'd think that would mean the Padres should have had to give even more if they're getting a second very good player. Bell has really re- remade himself back into the stud hitter that he was uh, prior to the last couple of years where he, he had had some down campaigns a little bit. But I mentioned last night on B-Shape Daily that there was one player the Padres could include that 
speculatively might have pushed the Cardinals out of range to be able to compete, and that's Mackenzie Gore, formerly the number one overall pitching prospect in all of baseball, was the number three prospect, I believe, as recently as last year, but then he really tailed off the top 100 rankings due to injuries, had looked pretty rough at times in the minor leagues, and so it wasn't entirely clear what his future was going to bring. Just injury after another has kind of delayed things for Mackenzie Gore. But coming into this season, it was clear he was going to maybe get a shot in the Padres rotation. He's ended up doing that, getting 13 starts in 16 total games. His ERA's four and a half, 70 innings, 72 strikeouts. But that's proof of concept that he's competing at the big league level and when healthy, he's on the IL right now. And that's something you'll always have to deal with for certain pitchers. But when healthy, Mackenzie Gore is the kind of pitching prospect the Cardinals simply did not have in their organization to offer. They didn't have that kind of player to give to the Nationals as a pitching headliner for the deal. And teams love pitching. You see this year with the Cardinals what it's like to not have pitching even when the rest of your roster is pretty good. Pitching makes the world go round. So it's not a surprise that the Nationals would covet a top pitcher as a big return of this Juan Soto trade. And then they get their outfielders and their their other hitters to form the rest of the package, which ends up being C.J. Abrams, who was a former top 10 prospect in all of Major League Baseball, shortstop prospect, but can play some outfield as well. And his story this year has just been that he hasn't hit. He's been called up. He's played in 46 games, 125 at-bats, but only a 232 batting average and a 605 OPS. Just two home runs on the season, a 320 slugging percentage. His OBP is below 300. Abrams looked like a bright, shining star at 21 years old, ready to come into uh, the majors this season, had an 871 OPS in AAA this year before he got the call-up. He just hasn't been able to to make good on that promise yet, but evidently the Nationals still highly value him. He ends up being a big piece of this deal as well. Robert Hassel is a top 20, 25-ish prospect, an outfielder who's pretty young, now goes from San Diego to Washington, and he's a guy playing in high A, has some good numbers down there, probably at least a year or two away before we'll see him at the big league level, but certainly a guy with a lot of upside if you're trying to replace down the line an an offensive force like Juan Soto. uh, Hassel might not be the same thing. Rarely is anybody the same thing as what Juan Soto has proven to be, but a nice piece to add to the mix as well. Another outfielder, James Wood, is within the top 100, according to MLB Pipeline's prospect rankings. He's another young outfielder on the way. And then Jarlin Susana is a guy that is going to round out the prospect. According to reports, Bob Nightingale put this out. Uh, I've seen Joel Sherman as well say the similar group of names, although the the Eric Hosmer part we'll have to talk about in a minute to to make sure uh, we're clear on what we know about that at this point in time. Uh, But Jarlin Susana is an 18-year-old pitching prospect, has just appeared only in rookie ball this far, but a guy with a a lot of upside and and considered to be pretty uh, touted in terms of the pitching prospects going back to the Nationals. 44 strikeouts and 29 innings for Susana as an 18-year-old in rookie ball. So that's the main portion of the the package. It's five players going to the Nationals for two, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Eric Hosmer was reportedly involved in this deal, but he has no trade clause that includes the Nationals. And he rejected the trade to Washington. According to Mark Feinstein, I'm reading this as we go here, Mark Feinstein says he rejected the trade and will not be part of the deal. Now the Padres will have less than five hours to figure out what to do with Hosmer, who's owed $39 million from 2023 to 2025. They sort of were looking to put Hosmer in the deal to offset some of the cost. They don't end up getting to do so because Hosmer says, no, I don't want to go to the Nationals, which is immediately what I said he should say when I saw the tweet suggesting that Hosmer would be in the deal. If he's got a 10-team no-trade, you put Washington on that list, 
and say, I'm not going to a loser team right now that's in the midst of a rebuild just so that you guys can offset your money in acquiring Soto. For the Padres, I think they'll just be willing to give Hosmer to anybody that will take him, though offensively he just hasn't been the kind of player that they were hoping to get when they signed him to that massive contract a number of years ago. He's been decent this year. I don't think it's anybody the Cardinals will be interested in. 727 is his OPS, slugging below 400, but hitting a decent clip at 272 batting average. But they picked up Josh Bell to really go all in and boost that lineup. So the Padres, obviously, the winners of the deadline, if you're talking about contending in 2022, they pick up Juan Soto, they picked up Josh Hader, and Josh Bell is not a bad piece at all to add to your lineup. So they've gone all in. The Cardinals did not and were not evidently willing to go all in. That's what this boils down to at the end of it. I mentioned that they did not have a Mackenzie Gore to offer in this deal. So what they did have was Dylan Carlson. That was the best piece that they had available because he's proven at the major league level. He's not like C.J. Abrams who gets called up and flounders. He's a guy who has had a couple of years where he's shown I'm a, a plus defender defensively. I can handle center field, which is very valuable for teams. And offensively, he's above average, a 107 OPS plus. I know that the OPS in the, in the mid-700s doesn't necessarily tickle your fancy, and Carlson has not offered a ton of upside in terms of his power game developing at the major league level. But he's an all-around really good player. There's nothing that Dylan Carlson is bad at, and he's pretty much good, good to great at everything he does on a baseball diamond. He's not exceptional in the batter's box the way that Juan Soto is. Juan Soto has a career 966 OPS. Dylan Carlson's is more than 200 points lower than that. It just stands to show exactly how phenomenal Soto is and the unique opportunity that this was for the Cardinals. They ultimately decide to pass on the opportunity, right? Because they don't think it's worthwhile to include Dylan Carlson and top prospects in the same offer. That seems to be what the holdup was from the Cardinals side, where the Nationals, I think, over the last few days were just waiting to see what the Cardinals would do. They say, look, we're getting these offers. I don't know how recently Mackenzie Gore was included by the Padres, but I mentioned it last night. That would be the one name that if he gets entered into the sweepstakes, the Cardinals can't match that. And so they would have to, at that point, overwhelm the Nationals with offensive prospects, offensive, controllable talent. And good for St. Louis. They have a lot of that. But they evidently weren't willing to include the prospects or the pieces that it would take to defeat that offer that was sent by San Diego. Which is weird to me. I don't again. I don't subscribe like it's the Bible to the Baseball Trade Values website, but especially with a, with a Hosmer inclusion in this deal, uh, the the Baseball Trade Values website suggests that the Nationals got the bad end of this trade. Now Hosmer is a negative surplus value, and ultimately it doesn't seem like he is going to be in the trade. But Brandon Kylie put on Twitter, BK Sports Talk uh, host for one hundred and one ESPN Radio in St. Louis. He put on a screenshot of what that deal looks like on the trade value website. $171 million of surplus value for the Padres. The Nationals only $108 million. If you take Hosmer out, it's still only $143 million with Abrams, Gore, and Hassel making up the bulk of this prospect package. Wood is also well considered at $25 million surplus value. So that's pretty much four really good players and nothing great in terms of the assets that the Nationals are getting back for, like, very, very good players. Nobody on Dylan Carlson's level, though, in terms of surplus value, which according to the Baseball Trade Value website, again, not a guarantee that this is exactly how the teams view it, but Dylan Carlson is somewhere in the $70 million range of surplus value 
Abrams Gore hassle between 30 and 47 million. So the Cardinals had the pieces to offer. I said this last night. They had the ability to be the leader in the sweepstakes because they had the best names to give. If you combine Carlson and Jordan Walker, who is a fantastic value, is going to be a really good major league player. And I think that's the one part of this that allows me to sleep a little bit easier tonight and know that, listen, the Cardinals might not. And it sucks to realize that the Cardinals 2022 season may have just ended. And I'm not saying it ended today. They still very well make the playoffs. The Cardinals' legitimate shot to get to a World Series, I think, may have ended. You needed a monster move at this deadline, and there's still a few hours as I'm recording this for the Cardinals to make a move like that, but but the names are dwindling. The, the possibilities out there are dwindling for the Cardinals to make the necessary upgrades because now you've got to go upgrade offensively, upgrade maybe your, your pitching situation once again, even after the Quintana deal. It's going to be more measured, smaller moves that certainly can help a team. It's that incremental upgrade, though, that John Mozeliak is so often touted, and those are great. I'm not trying to downplay the value of those if you can pull them off at a fair price. Juan Soto is a different kind of upgrade that you don't get the chance to have. Like, those don't come around very often, and this time it did, and it coincided with the Cardinals having the prospects and the young talent to offer to overwhelm the Padres with position players, and they elected not to do so. Time is going to tell whether this was a good decision or a bad one for the Cardinals. We've talked at length about the the varying uh, justifications for both sides. On the Soto side, it's you're getting three Octobers of Juan Soto, and it instantly makes you more relevant in the World Series conversation because you have just another Infinity Stone for the Marvel fans, Infinity Stone-type hitter who can carry your lineup along with Goldie and Arenado during the point at which they are in their prime because Goldie and Arenado are not going to be at the best that they've ever been for very much longer. Hopefully, they continue to be in great shape and into their their mid-30s for Goldie and into their early to mid-30s for Arenado. They continue to be those kinds of players. It's not, in, it's not a guarantee that they will, though. So to line up Juan Soto right now, who's entering his prime with those two guys for the next two and a half years, would have been absolute bliss. It would have been a very good, well-timed situation for the Cardinals offensively, and then you would have just had to figure out the pitching, which I think could be done. They traded Johan Oviedo and Malcolm Nunez, two guys that, you know, they may have future upsides in this league. They weren't necessary to the Cardinals uh, for, for the roles that they were going to play in the coming years. Didn't necessarily need Malcolm Nunez, even if he ends up being good. The Cardinals should be well-stocked with guys that can play in lieu of him. Oviedo, I don't think, was ever going to be a starter. Yes, you need good relievers, and Oviedo was turning into one. But at the same time, I don't think it was such a massive deal that if you can go get Jose Quintana for the next two and a half months to shore up your rotation, a team trying to make the playoffs, you do that. Those are the kinds of moves, though, that the Cardinals are now going to have to look at. And the reason for that is they weren't comfortable with the notion that Maybe only two and a half years, uh, three Octobers was all you might get from Juan Soto if Bill DeWitt Jr. wasn't going to give him the $500 billion that it may take to ink him long term. I'll be very curious to see if the Padres push for an extension or if they let this thing play out. The Padres are a perfect landing spot for Soto because they could legit, I'm not even kidding you, they could add Soto, add Hader, go on a run this year, win the World Series, and trade Soto in November. Like I legitimately could see something like that happening because A.J. Preller has never been shy about a deal. He's always going to do what he believes is the best value, the best timing, and it's all about winning a World Series if you get Juan Soto. And if their ownership says, no, we're not signing a $500 billion contract, then A.J. Preller can operate within those parameters and maybe try to flip him a year or two down the road. If they win the World Series this year, wouldn't be shocked if they flipped it. Like Those are the kinds of moves that I think a Preller or a DePoto is capable of making to be very nimble within the market 
that uh, others just don't do. I think David Stearns with the Brewers is clearly capable of making those kinds of moves. By trading Juan Soto yesterday, he showed, hey, we're not afraid to do what we think is best, even if it's maybe not the most popular. The Cardinals had a chance to make a move that would have been popular, but they're, they're worried about the repercussions down the road, I think. Worried about not having somebody to play center field. That's valid. Dylan Carlson, good center fielder. Bader, not healthy. You don't have somebody if you trade away Carlson in that move. You want to trade all your prospects, Walker, Wynn, uh, maybe Gorman could have been involved as well. I think the Nationals were waiting for the Cardinals to put Carlson in the deal. I said over the last week that I wouldn't do that. So it's hard for me to go too far in faulting the Cardinals here. But you can't deny the opportunity that this was and the fact that it's been missed now. And it will never be had again on this level for the St. Louis Cardinals where you can combine the stars aligning for Arenado, Goldschmidt, still having Wainwright, Yachty, Albert Pujols on the roster for the fans, what that would mean. To go ahead and add a Juan Soto, make the roster better this year, make it more interesting and and arguably better for the next two years. Like you wouldn't have had Walker. You wouldn't have, have had Gorman or Mason Wynn maybe. It would have been without Dylan Carlson. But there was an argument that the window would have really opened up for the next three Octobers if the Cardinals had made this move and then done some minor things to shore up the pitching, the bullpen beyond that. They decided it was too much. It was past their puke point, as it so often has been in the history of the St. Louis Cardinals under John Mosellock. That's not to say that Mosellock is bad at his job. Uh, no, I'm not saying he's as nimble. He's not. He's not nimble the way the Prellers or the DePotos or the David Stearns are. He isn't. That is not his strength as a president of baseball operations to make these trades at the deadline. He's never been able to do it. It's never happened on this level. Uh, Matt Holliday is the one exception. And again, that was for a rental player that the Oakland Athletics had foolishly traded for Holiday, tried to make a run, didn't work out. They didn't win a World Series, and then they had to dump him the next summer. And that's the way it went for the Cardinals to swoop in and grab Holiday In the offseason, where John Mozeliak is often at his best making these trades for superstar players, he has had the leverage in getting Goldsmith and getting Arenado and having the, the luxury of time to work those deals out. John Mozeliak has never been nimble enough in the trade market to make these deals on the eve of the trade deadline. It would have been a, a total about-face compared to the way the Cardinals usually operate. I think it would have been a positive thing to do, but at the end of the day, they weren't able to figure it out in Part of that comes from the Cardinals not being willing to include Dylan Carlson. I think that ends up being the number one reason this trade does not go down for St. Louis. Again, I think they probably were willing to put Walker in. I don't. We don't know for sure. That's not really been reported. It may not be accurately what the Cardinals were willing to do because they keep things pretty close to the vest and the Nationals have no reason to necessarily leak it because they've already gotten their trade done. But I think the Cardinals could have been convinced to put Walker in, to put Mason Wynn in, to put Gorman in if if the Nationals wanted him. I think the combination of Walker, Ian Carlson, the Cardinals just decided it was too much to bear. That was beyond their puke point, and it was something I tweeted about as recently as yesterday. I said, this is a puke point test for Cardinals fans. Would you do this? Would you put Dylan Carlson, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and then I put Michael McGreevy, last year's first-round pitching prospect, first pick, into the trade pool? And the results... We're pretty much split. 49.2% said, yeah, let's do it. 50.8% of Cardinals fans said, nope, I can't do it. So I don't know that the fan base at large is going to be uh, ultimately upset that this deal did not go down for the Cardinals. They are that Soto's not here. But if that would have been the price, which it's hard to compare apples to apples. Again, I think if if you're giving Mackenzie Gore as the Padres, the Cardinals didn't have that pitcher. All teams covet pitching. So the Nationals said, look, we're taking Gore or... 
We're waiting to see if these guys offer Carlson because that's a more direct replacement for Soto, and we can live without getting the pitching if we're getting that guy as well as another premium guy in Walker. I don't know if it would have taken win as well, and the pitching, McGreevy, Graceffo, whoever that would have been, Tinkentz. Tinkentz would be more comparable, I would say, to uh, the, the, the Jarlin Susana player that the Nationals did get to round out this deal uh, just because of his age. He's only 19 or so, 19-20. Uh, Susana's 18, playing in rookie ball. So that's comparable on that end. But the other spots of the deal, C.J. Abrams. Again, Nolan Gorman has come to the major leagues after being a top 20 prospect like Abrams. But Gorman has done well. Gorman has 11 home runs. Gorman has an OPS over 700. Uh, he's he's doing just fine. Abrams has not been able to hit at the major league level. So I would say if I'm a team, I prefer Gorman there. But Abrams can play shortstop. That's more valuable. So maybe you value the defensive aspect of that. Uh, Robert Hassel, he's behind Jordan Walker in the prospect rankings, but both are around 20 years old. So that's an apt comparison. I'm just saying if we're, if we're lining it up apples to apples, which is difficult to do, as I mentioned, because the Cardinals did not have the pitcher to headline the package. I think Carlson, Walker, and Wynn is probably what it would have taken along with another piece or two from from the pitching side of things or the Alec Burleson, lower outfielders, bottom of the top 100 type of thing. That's where James Wood is, so maybe that that tracks with a Burleson inclusion potentially. Bottom line, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I think it would have taken for the Cardinals. Would it have been worth it to you? Or are you sitting here saying, yeah, I know Mosaic's going to catch some flack for this, but I'm okay with the Cardinals standing pat if that's what it would have taken. I think the problem is that we'll never actually know if that's what it would have taken, but I think it is very clear that some combination of Carlson and then top prospects, whether it was Walker and Win, Win or Walker, with some other younger prospects toward the bottom end of the MLB Top 100, which the Cardinals do have. They have seven names in that Top 100, according to Baseball America. They just weren't willing to go to those lengths. So let me know what you think. Continue to chat on Twitter all day, at bshafer 12 in the direct messages at bshafer 12 I will check them as I can. Obviously, I'm going to be pretty busy the remainder of the day with more trade conversations. The big show, 4 to 6 p.m. on KTGR in Columbia. If you uh, want to go to ktgr.com or the KTGR app, you can listen live to our show this afternoon as we will obviously be touching on and breaking down the Cardinals trade deadline and the Juan Soto pursuit. And that'll be in real time because the trade deadline actually goes down right in the middle of our show. So make sure to uh, check that out later this afternoon if you want more audio insight on Juan Soto and the St. Louis Cardinals, how they are approaching the trade deadline. But that's going to do it for this edition of the show. I appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. Uh, This was fun. Emergency episode of the podcast. Sometimes it needs to be done. And we knocked it out in a little over 20 minutes. So uh, if you haven't listened to last night's episode and you're still craving some takes on the Cardinals trade deadline, go back and listen because Jose Quintana was discussed at length, as was very interested in the reasoning behind the Josh Hader trade for the Brewers. So you can hear all of that and then ignore the last five or 10 minutes or so of the 55-minute podcast because that was mostly Soto and it might make you sad. But go ahead and check that out. We'll talk to you very soon, probably after the Cardinals play the Cubs on Tuesday night at Bush Stadium. Appreciate you guys as always. Talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.